Welcome back, peeps, to Perfect.dev, where we give you cats the freshest dose of dev snacks. Now with your amazing hosts, Alex Patterson and Brittany Postma. This episode is sponsored by Builder.io, visually build on your tech stack. Hello, hello. Welcome back, Perfect Peeps. Today on the show, we are talking about automating infrastructure with Digger.dev. And talking all about it is Digger's CEO and founder, Igor. What's up, Igor? Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. I I would not even try to pronounce the last name. Is it (laughs) Zalutsky? Yeah, it's quite quite a tricky one, but you actually did it right. Awesome. awesome. I, you did I'm try usually, and you got it. <laughs> I'm usually First pretty good try, about, yeah. uh, asking beforehand. I totally forgot. So glad. Well, welcome. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, for those who are joining us, um, basically what we're talking about today is kind of making AWS, which has become this ever-growing, increasingly complex, crazy thing for web development and uh, making it a lot simpler. So Igor is going to kind of break that down for us later on uh, as we do a demo. But I'm really, I'm really curious, first of all, just tell us a little bit about yourself, Igor, and kind of what prompted you to create the product. Sure. Um, I mean, I'm, a, I'm an engineer, a former front-end developer, and then um, used to be building lots of stuff for various peeps all, all, all over the place. Um, the story of Digger, I guess, goes back to like 2017-ish. Um, I worked in a company called Palantir back then, and we used to use AWS a lot. And it was hard about it is that we basically, almost half the team was busy just doing manual stuff on top of our AWS accounts, quite repetitive. Um, and so we basically had to build our own kind of homegrown variety of Heroku in-house and just to make lives of other teams easier. Um, So that was one learning. um, And I already felt about, you know, that something can be done about it and and many other companies could could have similar problems. Um, But then I joined a much smaller startup um, called TickTrack in London. And um, there was pre-series A, helped them scale the engineering team and product and things like that, we had the same problem um, as in multiple AWS accounts, hard to manage, lots of manual repetitive DevOps work. And then it clicked. It was more like, well, there's got to be a way to automate this. And people want things like Heroku, except that they want to do it in their AWS accounts. Um, so that, that's how it came to be. <laughs> I feel really- like that's such a common story with companies that you start from like a problem that you saw and to improve your developer experience that you create something that solves a problem for more than just you, which I love. I love that part of it. Yeah, that's really. Yeah, exactly. It's like like we struggled a lot and, 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 and had to have to build things over and over again and then like, well, why not make product out of that? I feel like that's how every good product has started. I mean, look how crazy popular Slack is. It all just started internally and then they realized it. Trello, same way, like all these productivity tools. And you're kind of taking that to the next step for like dev tools, especially the infrastructure as code side of this that like really propels that next piece forward and uncomplicates the complicated world of cloud hosting. Though. 
Yeah, that's the thing. Like, if you think of it, like there is like a big disconnect between what people, what developers want to use, the kind of experience they want to have um, with, you know, Amazon console is, is complex. Like it, it's, it's so complex that barely any you know, front-end or mobile developer or even a back-end developer knows like what actually, which button to click, right? But then, especially for startups who want to, to just build and ship, right? It, it, it comes as a surprise that clicking something in the, in the web UI of Amazon doesn't actually lead to, to something sustainable. You actually have to do it all over again if you want, I don't know, a dev environment, right? So this infrastructure is nope. called concept even. It's, not, it's counterintuitive. And then you need to learn a new language. And then you need to actually do it all over again. And how, how, do you, how are you supposed to know that if, if, unless you are already in this kind of DevOps cloud native space? Um, on the other hand, there's like Heroku, Vercel, Render, right? Nice things, um, smooth developer experience. But if you have credits from Amazon, what do you do? You kind of have to choose between nice and, yeah. and, and hard, um, but free. Uh, that's, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and how does um, something like this compare with like AWS Amplify? I don't know if you're familiar with that at all. Yeah, um, I mean, Amplify is nice, of course. Uh, it simplifies things, but it's, I mean, Amazon's inferior, in my view, answer to Vercel. But it, yeah, you, you, can, you can deploy your front-end and Amplify, and then you have a hard dependency in Amplify in your code, by the way. Um, but what are you supposed to do about backend, about functions? Like if you have something on the backend, like it doesn't help you. Um, if you want containers, sure, there's Copilot, nice. But then what about networking? Like, are you supposed to, to just know that you have to create all of these VPCs, security groups and stuff like that? Um, it's hard on purpose. That's what we believe. I think Amazon sort of making it hard so that developers stick around that's almost like the whole point. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one way to get people to stay, right? Like make your product super difficult. So uh, you have to pay. If you invested in, yeah, in, in learning, right? That's what I was wondering. Is this like room for improvement for AWS or is there an issue there? I've heard this from like many, many people that their platform is just hard to use. If they wanted, they would. Um, I think <laughs> the... Honestly, like it's it, it's exactly like mainframes in 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 the you know late seventies, early eighties. Like the vendors had no incentive to make them easier until the PC arrived, of course. But like before that, the, the whole way, like there are two major or three major mainframe vendors, right? They there was hardware, not cloud services, but same thing fundamentally because it's so hard to manage. Um, they would keep. Um, computing teams as they were called at the time around because they already invested in the ecosystem right so as soon as one vendor makes it makes it simple all others will make it simple and then they compete on price but they don't want to compete on price they want the margins so that's exactly what's happening in the cloud space today yeah that makes sense um 
I'm sitting here trying to think back to like my AWS days and like <laughs> somewhat conspiracy theorists here, like as we're talking about AWS could make it simpler. And it's kind of funny. I'm, I'm thinking about all the training that they make money off of and all the certifications that they make money off of. And it's like, they, they yeah. wanted to make, you know, simpler. They want to make individual parts simpler. And that's what Amplify, that's what, yeah. you know, Copilot, that's another thing. But they still want it to be a toolbox, a DIY kit that actually someone has a full-time job of putting it together. And, and that's, that's what really wor works really well for, for Amazon and for Azure and for Google Cloud. Um, we want to change that because, uh, I don't know, it, it seems like most startups at least just don't have that level of complexity requirements. They could go. They could, could get away with 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 much simpler tooling, if only it yeah. existed. Yeah, that's very true. You kind of brought up the other clouds. Um, is there a reason that Digger can't work on the other two big ones out there? Um, honestly, it just feels we start with one. But yep. under the hood, the we one. are we are based on Terraform. Yeah, um, so Terraform is is cloud agnostic in principle. Um, and so you don't you don't really have to um, do that much to, to port things from one cloud to another, especially if you use Kubernetes or something like that. To us, you know, Amazon has roughly half the market in in, in startups um, yeah. because we are a startup ourselves. We kind of focus on on those who use Amazon. Um, we actually used to launch um, a kind of a, a test. Uh, value prop, uh, maybe you've seen on Product Hunt called Alicorn.cloud that was, that was focused on multi-cloud. Um, but then we realized that only the big corporates probably care about that enough. So we are, we are, we are doing that later um, for now, just Amazon. Yeah, it's funny in my, my previous job, sorry, Brittany, I cut you off, but in my, in my previous job, it was all about consulting and the only people I would ever hit uh, on like we need to be multi-cloud was like super financial, like related companies that had to have a fallback type of thing. But it seems like everybody else, once you're in one, you're in one. Like that's all you need. Sorry, Brittany. Yeah. No, you're fine. I'm just not in this space at all. Can you talk about those cloud providers? Like you said, the other two or three, like what are the cloud providers? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, there are three major players, which are like, if you, think public cloud, there will be like three big labels, Amazon, AWS, Amazon Web Services, then Microsoft Azure, which is mm. the equivalent for Microsoft, and the third kind of distant third, um, Google Cloud, GCP by Google. Um, they actually are the most user-friendly of all, but also the least um, feature-rich, so to say, and also have the smallest market share. Um, but that's about it, it's, as kind of big cloud is concerned. And then there is the other side of it um, called Platform as a Service. You probably heard Heroku. Um, and there is a newer version of it called Render, so to say. Well, version, it's a different company. But a um, couple other players that are trying to make a super simple user experience. Um, just a small subset of features of a cloud aimed at developers. Um, but we are... That's platform as a service because you can just sort of connect your repository and get working somewhere. Where the exciting stuff is happening right now is this space where you're using a 
major cloud provider like like Amazon, for example, um, for a number of reasons, could be free credits, could be because they they give free credits to startups up to you know two hundred thousand dollars easily if 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 a startup is is um, backed by venture capital. Uh, so it's basically free for a startup, but it's also complex. And so there is this emerging space of of, of tools that simplify that. Um, and we are we are such a tool. Um, we're making it really simple to uh, to use a big cloud provider, but in your account, in your own account. Whereas for for Heroku, it would be like, well, you just send your code to Heroku and it takes care of it, uh, and you don't have um, any 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 flexibility, any access, and you pay more. Yeah. Okay, cool. I, I think that's a, a really good high level overview. We're going to jump to an advertisement and then Igor's going to do some demo on Digger so we can check it out. Today's podcast is brought to you by Builder.io, visually building the web. Builder.io has one of the most powerful visual editors in the industry. Unlike other tools, Builder actually produces the code for you. You don't have to completely switch out your framework either. Just use one of the handy SDKs that are available. There's no limits to what you can build. Instead of limiting your marketing team, start to optimize and let them do the work. This will allow your web developers to get back to the hard work that it takes for other components, allowing your team to do A-B testing and personalization. Stop worrying about bugs in production. Just use the site as it is, then you can analyze and start converting all of your customers with Builder's built-in heat maps. Stop limiting your growth with developers' long lead times. Start building, optimizing, analyzing, and start growing faster. Don't take my word for it. You can sign up for free today and start building the web visually with Builder.io. Awesome, awesome. Well, Igor, are you excited to uh, do a little demo on Digger? Show us what it's all about. Of course, super exciting. Cool. So you got your screen ready to share. Let's do that. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And wait a second. Looks like I'm already sharing. Oh, yep, no. You're, you, you just have to get on the right tab and we should be good. To go. Okay. That's good. That's good. Let's actually we'll start with, with AWS console. Um, this is what you'd be dealing with if you are, you know, a user of AWS and Here's a list of services. If you are not an expert in AWS, well, good luck figuring it out. It's really hard to know which service do you need even. And, uh, you know, if you go to compute, which you need of that, um, not intuitive to say the least. Yeah, Whereas Digger sure. is, is, a, is an alternative. Um, here's a simple web app. You have a list hey, of projects. Igor, do you want to click that hide button or just click hide on the sharing thing that's in front? Yeah, uh, yes, of course. Cool. That's that's much better agreed. So look at Digger in comparison. It's simple, right? Um, if I want to create a project, I simply link a repository with my, my code. A GitHub account is connected and I just press next and Digger analyzes what's what's out there, what's in my repository. Detection complete now and you can see it detected that it's a container in this case. I just need to name it, I don't know, container two or something like that. The options, I can only the basics that every developer would know. And then so now I need to answer the key. Yep. 
So you connect this with a GitHub account and it has to be GitHub, right? So it's Git centric. We actually support GitLab too. Yeah. It's um, basically because, because you probably need a repository, either GitHub or GitLab. And then this repository happens to be a Docker container and it detected that automatically. Is that what's going on here? Exactly. Um, Digger would read your repository and, you know, detect whether it's, um, whether it's a container or a web app. In, in this case, you see it can be a Lambda function as well or a front-end single-page application, Next.js also supported, things like that. Okay. So in this case, we detected, you know, Docker file. Okay, it's good. Um, then I just need to enter my keys. Uh, maybe need to stop sharing briefly. I promised Igor we wouldn't share his keys. Okay, that's good. That's good. Um, just enter my keys. So while Igor is doing that, Brittany, do you find like as someone who hasn't done a lot of like this back end and like um, infrastructure side of things, like I'm I'm really curious on your opinion as a front end dev. Like, does something like this like excite you a little more that you can kind of instead of just getting into like a very simple Vercel, you can do a little more of it? That it is kind of interesting. It's very intimidating, though, yeah. to do this stuff as a front end dev. And so I can see how the AWS UI is overwhelming and yeah. crazy. And so this allows you a little more finite control over what you're doing and less to look at. I think that's the big thing. And I'm very much more in that serverless space where I would just use those serverless functions or something to do these calls. I'm not a back end developer. I will never profess that. No, no, it's all good. I think we all have our specific skill sets. So cool. I think uh, Igor is ready again. Yeah, yeah. I just validated the keys. Um, <laughs> I just press deploy. That that's all I need to do. That's that's literally all my interaction with AWS are, are limited to to a couple of options, right? But under the hood, what happens? I hit complete, right? I get to this UI which starts the jobs, and I have services and environments and many other things. But if we go back to the console, um, I actually have a proper ECS cluster here, right? Um, I have uh, all of the security things configured, VPCs, security groups, uh, permissions. If you don't know what that means, well, first of all, you're not alone. Um, and, and, and second, it's, it's really not intuitive. Digger does it for you. Um, in the end, you just get the URL um, that you can just use a, a bit like as if you're using Heroku over self. Moreover, you actually get your infrastructure synchronized with your GitHub. Um, are so are those choices yeah. pretty standard? Like the AWS things that you would configure yourself that Digger does for you, are those things just the, the same? Because you didn't make any choices. So I'm wondering if that's just a standard. For it, container, it, might good, it might be good to show, Brittany, like the Docker file for what's kind of... Oh, okay. Is Docker, like, telling it what to do? In, in this case, yeah. Like, Docker container pretty much has some definitions on, you know, okay. what port to expose and things like that. Um, for a fronted app, a lot will be will, will be in the back JSON, for example, that kind of a rough equivalent um, on the front-end side. So we'd read the package okay. JSON, for example, and, and deduce a few things again, a bit like Purcell does it. And so, yeah, um, the, the, the kind of added benefit is that you actually get your infrastructure as code and generated 
and synchronize to your back to your GitHub account. Um, so, for example, here I have the Terraform files, right? I didn't have to write them, but Digger generated them, and I actually can change them if I want. Uh, you can even, I don't know, learn Terraform by using Digger, if, if, if that's your thing. But if it's not, you can just leave it there. Um, so Digger is essentially like, like a DevOps engineer um, that does, does this stuff for you in the background. When we talk about like, there's a, there's a lot to Terraform because it does um, reconciliation between like changes and things like that. How does, how does Digger actually deal with that? Well, Terraform boils down to state, right? Yeah. Um, so what we do um, under the hood, we actually are spin up a backend of Terraform on, on our servers. Um, you can think of this as, CI-like arrangement, but for infrastructure, um, where Digger would run jobs, we call them deployments, um, for your infrastructure on Digger servers and manage the state. So the state is stored in an S3 bucket as a, as a file, like a normal file that Terraform would use. But if you do it yourself, then you have a problem of synchronization. You know, one developer has a state file in their laptop and another developer has a slightly different state file in their laptop. So you kind of need it on the server. And that's where it gets hard because suddenly if you want infrastructure as code, you need all developers to be like DevOps aware at least. Whereas Digger just manages that. You don't need to think of this low level infrastructure concepts. That makes sense. So, um, Something that we talked about beforehand a little bit, uh, I don't know for sure, but CloudFormation is not used when Terraform's calling the APIs directly. Is that correct? Well, Terraform, you can think of, of, of Terraform as a, as a better, newer CloudFormation. Um, there is like this spectrum of infrastructure as code tools, if you will, CloudFormation was the first, but it's also the, the most verbose. Um, Terraform was an independent open source yeah. um, development by HashiCorp, um, which is also a de facto standard. So it's like even Amazon is the biggest contributor to, to Terraform now. Um, yeah. And then there is also CDK, which is um, Amazon's take on top of CloudFormation um, that allows you to write um, your infrastructure in like JavaScript, for example. Yeah, I'm 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 really uh, kind of hot on Pulumi and what they're doing too. So it's kind of interesting seeing all these different uh, infrastructure as code providers coming out now. Yeah, they're they're pretty cool actually. I think we're we're taking almost like the opposite um, views on on the on the market. And um, Pulumi is saying like, hey, you you gotta we will we, make infrastructure code as simple for you to understand as possible, much simpler than let's say Terraform um, because you can use your own language, um, like your real familiar language, like JavaScript, yeah. for example. Okay. What we are saying is like, actually Terraform is your assembly language and you're not supposed to even look into that. Um, and we are giving you a higher level tool um, that you use to generate that assembly level stuff that is just there and you only look into it if you really want know what you're doing and want to customize a bit here or there. Um, I mean, different philosophies, I guess. Yeah. So can, can we talk about um, maybe how 
let's let's for example say that I was going to deploy my my site that's written in Next.js onto Vercel. Usually it kind of does the build process and takes off and all those little serverless functions for ISR and all of those things, those are spun up as lambdas out there in the AWS world. Is that something that Digger can handle as well? We do exactly that, in fact. I should have okay. probably shown you, you know, the Vercel flow, but the, the Next.js flow, sorry. But it's exactly that. I mean, fundamentally, Next.js is, is, is not something complex, right? You have, yeah. you have a, a, a bundle, the front-end bundle, that's being built by, I don't know, Webpack or whatever. So it's a static piece. And then you have SSR piece, which runs in a Lambda uh, with yeah. some cache. Um, and it's, it, it's not like your normal Lambda, it's your edge Lambda which is limited, but it also runs close to the users. So the latency is low. That's why it's so fast. Um, and what we do when Digger detects the next GS project, we literally just um, run the build. We, if, if the next GS project is, you know, has, has, has SSR, then we'll spin up a Lambda and we put it there. Um, so from the end user perspective and from the resulting infrastructure, literally exactly what Vercel does. Same thing. Does does it? Can you handle like the edge functions that are available as well? Yeah, it's that's that's what that's what I meant. I, I probably should have called them, you know, <laughs> edge functions as they are. Um, that's you know that's where SSR runs. The beauty of it is like it, it all can be described in Terraform. So what we need to do is to generate and run it. Yeah how do, how do you handle like your CDN versus like Vercel, I know, runs their CDN around the world through AWS, but are you doing the same? Like using um, Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it, you know, you think of it like Vercel doesn't really, I mean, they perfected end user experience, but right. under the hood, they're using, they're using uh, same Amazon building blocks. Yeah. Um, CloudFront for CDN, Route 53 for domains, then yeah. S3 for storing the, the bundle. Um, and edge functions to to do the SSR. That that's your that's your kind of recipe, if you will. Um, what we do for front end projects that are built on XGS, which is basically take this recipe, um, generate Terraform for it, and run it so that all this you know Vercel like setup is in your AWS account, and it costs you like much much less, especially at scale, because Vercel charges a huge premium on top of what what what. Uh, they pay for Amazon. Um, with Digger, it all runs. You basically get Vercel in your a a AWS account. So you kind of mentioned there on on pricing. How how is the Digger pricing like comparative, even to like Vercel in that scenario? Well, that's uh, I guess the the our, our biggest uh, selling point, if you will, um, because Digger manages your AWS account. Um, it is in our interest to reduce, you know, your costs, right? If we are managing your Amazon account, then you separately pay your Amazon bill. You see what is being created, what is being provisioned. Um, if we do any cost optimizations, that you know that 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 benefits the user. Um, and we just charge for convenience. Um, we charge this simple subscription fee, fifty dollars per user per month, and um, I mean, whereas Vercel would charge you a huge premium for additional features, and then they would make a huge margin 
on top of Amazon underlying Amazon costs, um, we don't do that. Um, you pay your Amazon bill to Amazon and the, the simple subscription fee um, for Digger. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Sweet. Um, I, I think we've had all of the questions on our list. Do you have any more, Brittany, that I'm missing? No. Um, I had a thing about serverless functions and something that I just realized recently, and I'm not sure if everyone is really aware that SSR, when you're working with something like Next.js or SvelteKit or all these front-end frameworks, that they are actually running lambdas for your endpoints. And it had never occurred to me that that was what was happening. But if you SSR a page, it's going to run a Lambda function. And I just kind of wanted to make that point that it's still a little confusing to me because you think, oh, SSR, like you have a server somewhere, but these CDN platforms are doing that and running those serverless functions for you. Under yeah, the hood. I think some of the newer- It's a really good point, yeah. I, I think uh, just for a little bit of clarification, the edge functions too are a step further. They're they're further yes. into the, the CDN side of it, unlike lambdas, unlike the serverless side. So um, it's it's kind of interesting when we dive into that. Um, you know, you brought up something that clicked in my mind too. Um, when we talk about like your Docker um, setup there and everything like that, if we talk more than serverless, can you also host like full um, like EC2 instances that handle um, something like AppWrite or Superbase, uh, so you can just stand up a Docker image as well? Um, well, we have this option sort of on the back end. We don't even show this to the user because, okay. I mean, um, EC2s are kind of very low level. Um, we try to save people time. So we prefer to assemble the stack, the underlying stack for managed services. So yes, technically you could. You could even do a Terraform override to run an EC2 instance. But then you're taking on the whole bunch of maintenance, like yeah. to monitor that, to run the upgrades, to um, maintain, I don't know, whatever security patches need to be done on the operating system level. That sort of stuff is like, you know, how things were running, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, generally, these days, there needs to be a really strong reason um, to run an EC2 instance because, yes, you save on cost compared to managed service, but then you are paying someone to manage this instance. Uh, that's yeah, a lot of time. That's um, a really good point. I, I think the, the other thing to think about, like, in that scenario, I'm kind of curious if, like, Digger will ever get to the point where, like, if I have a Docker image, again, using, like, AppWrite or something, and you can run those off AWS Lambda as well, like, is that kind of a model that we could get into with this as well? But you already can today. Um, yeah. That's, I mean, that's that, that's literally how it works. Okay. Um, cool. You could choose, you could, like, your um, Docker image could run when, well, probably briefly showed you, but didn't, didn't ever emphasize it. But Lambdas, we, we support Lambdas two ways. Um, one is, like, a classic Lambda that... Um, just doesn't ask much questions. You just push your code. But then recently Amazon introduced the Docker file support for Lambdas. Yeah. Um, so we support that too already. Um, that was, I think, announced in the last reInvent. And uh, yeah, Digger has supported that. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, that, that was the only like one piece I was like really curious about. 
Sweet. I, well, I think we hit all of our uh, our points. I think we're going to jump into perfect picks. Brittany, you are up first. If I can share the right screen. There we go. Britt, you're on mute. <laughs> of course I am. <laughs> Sorry. So on Friday, I am doing a stream with Tomas Piros from Cloudinary, and I'm very excited to see how to get Cloudinary up and running with SvelteKit. When I get some image automation, automation. Wow. I cannot talk today. <laughs> Let's just go on to the next one before it's I mess this up. Tuesday it is. Too. It could be. I, it's going to be a long week. Pods this week. <laughs> If everyone uh, hasn't heard, I keep I, I keep saying at the end, we need to really say this at the beginning. Brittany's now at Nellify, so her brain is being crammed full of learning stuff. So it is, and we have <laughs> I have my first remotely interesting later today, so I got to get on point. <laughs> I can see your your mind is everywhere. Cool. Yes, you should walk on this treadmill. I, I did this morning. So this, this is my second pick. Every morning now I get to walk on this treadmill while I do my work. And we have a treadmill downstairs and I never use it because it's like I can't do the things that I want to do while I'm on it. So with this, I can pull it out from under my desk. And when I'm done with it, it just goes right up against my computer and gets pushed away and I can pull it out. I walk at like two miles an hour, which I don't know what that translates to in kilometers. Sorry, but <laughs> it's, it's pretty nice. And it's a way for me to get in some exercise while still doing some work. Nice. That's a really good pick. Um, as, as I told you the other day, I used to work at Steelcase and we had these things sitting under our, not our desk, but you could go like rent them or whatever, sign up and walk on oh, them. I yeah. used to do four hours a day on those things at around two miles an hour. That Super sounds fun. long. <laughs> it like opened up my mind all the time. Yeah. Back when I was in way better shape. <laughs> um, my first pick, and I could not find a good image to stop on, but uh, it's actually two of the same. So these are both UI.dev um, releases that Tyler McGinnis and, and Clan have been releasing. Um, this one is all about the story of web components. And when I say story of, it's kind of explaining the death of uh, web components and why they never really like panned took out. Off. Yeah, never took because off. Because their API is not great. <laughs> yeah, it's, and oh, this is the quote I wanted to show. So web components are fine in all the ways that you don't, that don't matter. <laughs> so it's kind of, it's kind of interesting. I mean, we have this whole like framework essentially built into our browsers that, they're just not being used, unfortunately. So as we push more towards using the platform, uh, I wish this were more of a story case. So I've used things like Stencil. I've used Polymer. I've checked all this out, and it just never pans out the same way. So I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm curious between, like, Quick and where this will head. This is why I'm so excited to get Greg on from OpenUI and talk about this because they're the components built on web components that you can use and they're going to become standards, hopefully. That's right. We might, do we have to reschedule with Greg? I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> um, the second pick I have, same UI.dev, is the story of Concurrent React. And it took 2,161 days to actually like get something usable from Concurrent React. So this, I think Tyler said it took him like, I don't know, a month to create this video. It's a it's a really good video. I highly recommend checking this one out. I'll put both the, the links out on our uh, documentation page, as we always do, out on codingcat.dev. So check them out. 
Igor, thank you so much for showing us around Digger.dev. I can't wait to see uh, where it continues to take off. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It was great to meet you. Hope to have you again. Later. Awesome. Cheers, guys. Take care.